Father, may we hear these words tonight and may you challenge where we need to be challenged, encourage where we need to be encouraged, convict where we need to be convicted, and reminded of not just your commands, but your grace in all of this. In your holy name, amen. Well, like some of you, I'm sure, I have one of these uh, fitness trackers that I wear all the time. And this fitness tracker I have keeps track of how many steps that I walk and how many calories I burn. And recently, we as a staff at the church and some of our spouses, through our insurance, have been having these step competitions, where for a certain period of time, we will see how many people or how many steps each one of us can make. And we've done this now twice, and both times, I have crushed everyone on the staff. And this has been a little frustrating for some of the staff, and I don't blame them. Because most of the staff is in way better shape than I am in. And the reality is, ever since I've got my Fitbit, I actually have gained weight, not lose weight. And I found out that this is not uh, unusual. There was an article a few months ago that said, the problem with some of these Fitbits and these trackers, which they are good, but often we wear them and then we think, oh, I got 10,000 steps. I could have a few pieces of pie, no problem. Oh, I'm walking enough so I cannot worry about what I eat or what I drink. I think fitness trackers are great. I am wearing one right now. But if you're not conscious of what you eat and what you drink, and all you do is care about the steps that you walk, you're not going to be healthy. I promise you that. I share that because I want to illustrate something about this season of Lent that we're entering into, and even about this evening that we are participating in tonight. The season of Lent, which begins today, is a great time to reflect upon repentance and on our need for Jesus. These days leading up to Easter Sunday, it's very helpful for us to reflect upon our sin, the cross of Jesus, and the call to live a life of repentance. The start of Lent, Ash Wednesday, what we are celebrating tonight is a good thing. To be reminded that from dust we came and dust we shall return is very powerful as we enter into this season. And for many of us, this is a season where we spend time praying and fasting and maybe reading God's word more. And this is a good thing. Many people like to give stuff up during this time, and that is good. It could be a good discipline for you and for me. But like me wearing a fitness tracker and winning the step competitions without really being that healthy, we need to be careful that we do not trivialize what this season is all about. Lent is not just about giving up chocolate or something else. It's about giving up sin. The Lenten season is designed for us to come to grips with the seriousness of our sin and the call of Jesus. Jesus is asking us to follow him. He's asking us to be his disciple. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Ash Wednesday, not just when it is easy and convenient. Jesus doesn't just ask us to give him 40 days to deny ourselves some sweets or alcohol or whatever. Jesus says we are to deny ourselves daily and take up the cross and follow him. Now, I do hope that this is a season for many of us where we can pray and sacrifice more. I do hope that this is a season where you can take some practical guides to help you to repent of your sins and turn to Jesus. Listen, self-denial and self-discipline is a good thing. And it can remind us of our need to depend on God and God alone. But we cannot do these things alone, thinking that 40 days of sacrifice is all God expects of us. That's why I chose this passage that I wanted for us to briefly reflect upon tonight. What we see in Isaiah 58 is a group of very 
religious people. We see in our passage the formalities of religion without really caring for what God cares for. We see very religious people missing the point. And we see the difference between rituals and having a relationship with God. The words I just read from God through the prophet Isaiah were given to people very serious about their religion. The second verse that I read describes these people as those who seek God daily. These are people that delight to know God's ways. They delight to draw near to God. These are good things. These are things that you and I probably would love for people to say about us. But what is their problem? Well, their seeking is superficial and manipulative. They are seeking not with their hearts in worship, but within their hearts hoping to manipulate God in order to get something that they want. That's why in verse 3 these folks say, Why have we fasted and you've seen it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not taken knowledge of it? What they're saying is, look God, look how religious I am. Now give me what I want. Look how much I have given for you. Now return the favor. Their religious exercises are primarily for themselves and not for God. And the question we have to ask is, are we any different? How often do we find ourselves doing things, even very good things, in hopes that we will be noticed by God or by others? How often do we even try to manipulate God in things like our time of confession together? God, I promise I will never do that again. I promise you, God. God, I'm sorry that that happened, but it's not all my fault. God, what do I need to do in order to not feel this bad anymore and I can just move on with our lives? How often do we humble ourselves before God, not out of devotion, but just out of duty? It's just what we do because we've always done this. Or maybe not out of devotion, but out of deep down, we humble ourselves because we're afraid of God. And we think he's disappointed in us. Many of us, and let me put myself first on this list, humble ourselves as long as our own needs are not affected too much. We humble ourselves as long as it doesn't cost too much for us. You know, it is so easy to be zealous for religion and not even care about relationships. People can be very religious in their worship, in their fasting, and in their sacrifice without even caring for relationships with God or with the people that God has created in his image. That's what verse 3 and 4 describe, is these people that are in the day of fast seeking their own pleasure and oppressing their workers. They're beholding their fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. What this passage is showing us is consistent with the rest of Scripture. What pleases God is both internal and external actions of devotion. What God desires for us in our worship is not just the love that is just outward, but not really inward in the heart, or the other way around, caring for God deep inside, but not really showing anything towards other people. God desires our worship to be a love so deep that it overflows in our treatment of others. And if this is true, and this is what God wants, then I believe this season of Lent can be a very dangerous time for you and me if we let it. This is a season where we can take the time to ask internally and externally and the heart issues and the physical issues that we do, how do they line up with our devotion to God? Some of you are like me, I'm sure. 
I'm really good at being religious. I got some of the external stuff down quite well. But maybe you and I need to repent of our pride and our self-promotion during this season. Perhaps some of you need to repent of the fact that you are blind to the needs of others. That maybe you are self-centered so you don't care for what God cares for. Maybe this is a season where we can ask for 40 days for God to open our eyes and our hearts and our homes and our wallets to serve the poor and the homeless and the immigrant and the outsider and the disadvantaged in our city and in our world. You know, maybe this season, instead of just giving up something for Lent, maybe we give up stuff and then we take some of the money that we would have spent on those things and we give it to the poor. Maybe instead of going out during this season of Lent, we have people come in and we share hospitality during this time and maybe we offer hospitality to people outside of our comfort zone. Maybe these 40 days of Lent will be a time to ask God, where do you want us to go? And what are we doing as we follow you? And the good thing is, God tells us what he wants. He tells us very plainly the type of fasting that pleases him. Listen again to this verse 6 from our passage today. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bond of wickedness? To undo the straps of the yoke? To let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to share bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house and when you see the naked to cover them? Now look, I don't know what this looks like practically for you or for me. I don't know what this looks like for us as, as a church family. But I do know this. The Bible makes it very, very clear who our God identifies with. And it is the poor and the needy and the broken and the disadvantaged, and the have-nots of our world. God speaks very clearly and powerfully that he stands up against those that are oppressed. And our calling is clear. We must disadvantage ourselves for the advantage of others. We must disadvantage ourselves for the advantage of others. In this season, can we imagine what it would look like to just let some of our stuff go and give it to others? And brothers and sisters, I want to say many of you are doing this. And I just want to say thank you. Many of you have opened up your homes and your lives and your money and your time to people. And I just want you to know, thank you. We need that. We as a church need that. And so I'm thankful for the many of you that have stood up and challenged us in your actions and your words. Keep it up. We need that. Because we need to remember that we worship a God who's by his very nature gave himself to people that could never repay him back. And as we love the unlovely, as we give back so much that we have been given, we're reminding and modeling who God is and what he has given us. And listen, as we do this, we hear the wonderful words of promise at the end of this passage. The simple acts of caring for one another means we're going to be like springs of water where the waters do not fail. The actions of love and service to others will allow us to be called repairers of the breach and restorers of the streets. You know, this is a very convicting chapter in Isaiah. But it ends with hope and promise. And here's the thing. Most scholars agree that this passage is very similar to the first chapter in the book of Isaiah. The words and the calls to care for the oppressed and the needy are the same in both chapters. The words are the same, 
but the tone is different. You see, in chapter 1, the call comes with a warning and a threat. If you do not obey, destruction will come. But our passage here in Isaiah 58 does not end with a warning, but with a promise. If you obey, blessings will come. Why the change? Because between chapter 1 and chapter 58, Isaiah describes a suffering servant that comes to this world to take care of our sins and accomplish what none of us can ever accomplish. The reason why Isaiah 58 ends in hope is because the truth of the reality is in Isaiah 53, the suffering servant we know to be Jesus. And Jesus came and fulfilled what we can never do and died the death we deserve. And Jesus truly disadvantaged himself for our advantage. And this is why it is good to have this hope. And this is why it is good that we are about to feast on this meal. Brothers and sisters, we began today and you were given ashes on your forehead to remind you that you are mortal and you need to repent. But you were given these ashes in the form of a cross to remind you of the only hope and the only standing we have, that it is Christ and Christ alone that gives us what we need to do what we're called to do. And so we must boldly run to this table and acknowledge the grace that is given us so that we then can turn Give back that grace and love to others. Let's pray. Father, may you, may you forgive us for the ways that we do not see the needs of others. And thank you that you see our needs and you brought your very son to take on our sins and to do the things we can never do so that we can have hope and we can have joy and we can have peace. May we not just run away feeling guilty and beat up now. May we run to you and feel loved and embraced. And may that challenge us to go and love the unlovely, to love the disadvantaged, and to love the broken in our city and our world. In your holy name, amen.